So we are in the car today, y'all. We are in the car today. And I'm excited because right after this time that we spend in the reading of the word, we're going, I'm going to uh, be circling the city and doing a prayer walk all around the city. And so I'm looking forward to that. And as you guys know, um, if you don't know, now you know that we are planting a church in Tampa, just in like right in downtown Tampa, just uh, just east of downtown Tampa. And, uh, and so I'm going to be walking the city, circling the city, circling the communities that we are reaching. And I'm praying because I believe that what God wants to do in the city won't be done by good strategy. It won't be done uh, based off of personality or uh, charisma, but rather that it's going to be instituted, instigated through a move of the Holy Spirit, which can only come with prayer. And so I'm excited about the season. I'm excited about what God's about to do. And I know I've got folks who are coming around me, rallying around me um, to to pray, and I've been praying that I'd get a thousand people to pray for our church launch. A thousand people to pray for our church launch. And so, um, if you haven't clicked the link, uh, for those of you who are on Discord, if you're listening to this right now and you're not on Discord and you're wondering how can I join this prayer team, this group of people who are praying for our church, even after our launch, we want a whole community of people to pray for us and to keep us in prayer because we're believing in. In, in in miracles. We're believing God's going to do some incredible things through this ministry. And so um, I want to encourage you to go ahead and click the link. If you are listening, go to ru.church, ru.church, and you should find the link there as well. Um, and you can learn more about our story. Every week, we're going to be sharing our prayer requests. We're sharing things that we're celebrating, uh, things that we're believing in God for, things that we're anticipating God doing right now, I would ask for you guys to pray for our interest meeting. Okay. Um, if you missed my last email, we're praying for our interest meeting that God would align us with uh, kingdom minded, missional minded people who want to reach the city. And so we're inviting folks to come in and, and to worship with us and to celebrate with us. And also to say, Hey, I want to come alongside and help you launch this church. And so that's why we're here. That's what we're doing. And keep us in prayer that God would establish divine connections, divine connections. So, yeah. So right after this reading rant, I'm going to be, so if you hear trucks on this, you know, if you hear cars and trucks, and maybe you might hear some honking in this episode, it's not a problem at all. Um, we are in downtown. Okay. Uh, we are right in the heart of downtown and and in my car, and we're doing a car rant, and I'm excited. I am excited about that. So if you can, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20, uh, and we're going to read from there. And we're going to go as far as the Lord takes us, and we're going to reflect on the Word. This is the reading rant. We spend 20 to 30 minutes in the reading of the Word, and we spend another 20 to 30 minutes reflecting on the Word. And so today... We will be in Matthew chapter 20. And to reflect on the word, we ask three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? God, what are you revealing concerning people? God, 
what are you revealing concerning me? This is our daily or our regular discipline, and it's our regular habit to do this together. And so let's get to it. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of joining in the reading of the word. Not just you and I, but Lord, us together, a family, a group of people from all around the world on this platform who are coming together to read the scriptures along with me. And so, Father, I just pray as we read this word, Lord, that we would be inspired that we would be illuminated to the truth of who you are, your will, your plan. And Father, that you would empower us, inspire us, Lord, in, in what you've called us to do. And, and, and Lord, I just, I just thank you already in advance for what's about to transpire. We don't know, but we know that, Lord, you have something to say to us today. And so we are submitting to that and, and we trust in you and we believe and rely upon you. And we say that. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 20, let's get to it. <clears throat> and it says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, <clears throat> sorry, when he agreed with his laborers for denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went again. He went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. So when the evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call all the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those who came who were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Now, Jesus going up into Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples aside the road and said to them, behold, we are going to Jerusalem and the son of man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. 
and the third day he will rise again. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons kneeling down and asking something from him, and he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one at your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am about to be baptized with? They said to him, We are able. So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. Sorry. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it is prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, as they went out to Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. So Jesus stood and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be open. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Chapter 21. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them. And immediately he, he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who brought, who bought and sold in the temple 
and he overturned the tables and the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant, and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing, nursing infants you have perfected praise? Then he turned, sorry, then he left them and went out to the city of Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves, and said to it, No fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast it into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Now, when Jesus came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also ask you one thing, which if you tell me likewise, will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where is it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. But what do you think? A man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he regretted it and went. Then he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, The first. Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you that tax collectors and harlots will enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, but you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. Here another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it and built a tower. And he leased it to the vine dressers and went into a far country. Now, when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. 
and the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Again he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did likewise to them. Then last of all he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him, cast him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Oops, sorry. Uh, yes. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? They said to him, He will destroy those wicked men miserably, and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, Have you read in the scriptures the stone which the builder rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken. But on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Now, when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitudes because they took him for a prophet. Chapter 22. Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. And sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. And they were not willing to come again. He sent out other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted calf are killed and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it. What their ways one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized the servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. He sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, burned up their cities. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who are invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. Both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have a wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, few are chosen. And the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. 
nor do you care about anyone, for you do not think or regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Says, Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. He said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. The same day, Sadducees, who say there, was, there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if, the man, if a man dies, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, the third, even to the seventh. Last of all, the woman dies also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken for not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Oh, man. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. But when the scribes heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, sorry, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, How then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. Chapter 23. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. And do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, 
and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at the feasts and the best seats in the synagogue, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men rabbi, rabbi. But you do not be called rabbi, for what is your teacher, the Christ? And you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, huh. scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive a greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Snap. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? Goodness gracious. And whoever swears by the altar is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on it. Wow. Whoever swears, sorry, let me go back. And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing. And whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift. Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you pay tithe and mint, anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. Huh. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee first cleanse the inside um, the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you have built tombs of the prophets and adorn 
the monuments of the righteous and say, if we have lived in the days of your fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, you are witnesses against yourselves that you are sons. Oh, goodness, gosh, gracious. Of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, brutal vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes, some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that you may come, that you may come all righteousness, bloodshed on the earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Surely I say to you, all things will come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, behold, sorry, for you, for I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he comes in the name of the Lord. Fighting words. Fighting words. Oh, wow. Sorry about that, fam. You missed all the woes, whoa. <laughs> you missed all the woes, whoa. Come on. Whoa. <laughs> I'm going to call this episode whoa. I'm going to call this episode whoa. I encourage you guys go back and read it. I'm sorry if it got cut off. I encourage you guys to go back and read it. Um, woe is us. Woe is us. The devil is a liar today. Because my goodness, if there's anything that you should know about Jesus, is Jesus is not afraid to snap. Matter of fact, I would argue that the woes was, these were the final fighting words. Like the, the woes are the moments where you go, yep, this is it. This is it. Yep. I mean, imagine like the Pharisees, uh, not, not, sorry, not the Pharisees and the scribes, but, but imagine the, the disciples hearing Jesus snap and they were probably, as Jesus is snapping, they're probably like standing around Jesus like bodyguards, like this is it right here. Like, like these are these are fighting words. We we about we about to fight. We about to fight right now. It's perplexing to me that Jesus wasn't attacked right there in that moment. I mean, you have to understand the level of tension there is right now in Jerusalem. Okay, 
there's this tension from the beginning of the text when we see Jesus entering into Jerusalem. You got to understand, this is it, y'all. Okay? And Jesus knows this is it. Jesus knows I'm going down. But before I go, I got to make sure y'all know where, I, where I'm actually at. I need to make sure you know how I really feel. I got to make sure you know where I really stand on this. I got to make sure you know that I'm about that life. And the one thing that you can get out of this text, if you read it, is that Jesus is about that life. The woes are of, of a piece of the text that many of us should go back to on a regular basis. The woes are a portion of the text that we should go back to as a reminder, as a reminder of the propensity for people who hold position in a culture of faith to veer away from the glory of Christ and the mission of God and the purpose for which we are here as the body of believers. The woes are the ones we should read because the woes should make us say woe. And it should touch us, to touch us regularly. The woes are the maintenance plan for the church. We, can, we talk about his miracles and we talk about the parables and we talk about all the amazing things that Jesus did. And we talk about how he loved and Jesus' love. And, and then we skip the woes. And then we go to the cross and how he loved us and died on the cross and, and he died for our sins and all that. But then we, we, just, we just skip it, right? Matthew 20 to 20, we just, we just, we just skipped it and just, boop. yeah, let's not worry about that part. And I'm sorry if I sound like, you know, some kind of revolutionary for a second, but we forget Jesus is a revolutionary himself. We forget that Jesus, the bold, zealous Jesus, we forget the Jesus who looked at the establishment and said, y'all got it all wrong. Who looked at the religious establishment and said, oh no, y'all tripping. And y'all have it all wrong. We read these woes, and I'm sorry if these sound like fighting words, and I'll say this as well is if you feel uncomfortable reading the woes, God's checking something in your heart. I mean, just think about this real quick, right? If I were to right now step into a church and reiterate the words of Jesus, these woes, there are people who will snap and be upset and be angry or be very uncomfortable. And the question that I ask is if that makes you uncomfortable, 
then maybe you're part of the problem. <laughs> Fighting words. Jesus got me lit today. Jesus got me lit today. If you have a problem and you're uncomfortable with me just simply walking in and reiterating the words of Jesus, then you might be part of the problem. Something might be wrong with you because we can watch Mari all day, right? You can watch Jerry Springer all day, see people talk a bunch of, of, of cacophony and a bunch of just whack stuff and you can listen to it and you can say, yeah, you know, well, and it might even entertain you because you'll look at it and say, well, that ain't me. That's just a bunch of crazy folk. The time when you get uncomfortable is when it's slightly true for you. Where you'll get uncomfortable is if there's a little bit of truth in you. And I say that even to the church and to pastors and I'll, and I'll say it to ministers that if this makes you feel some type of way, it's time to get on your knees and pray and ask yourself the question, whose side are you on? The Pharisees, the Sadducees and the scribes, or are you on the side where Jesus is standing? Allow me the opportunity to set a stage, enter into the theater of imagination just for a moment and see there a public, a public square, a public sphere where Jesus is standing and Jesus is preaching and imagine there in the crowd are the observers there in the crowd are the Sadducees. There in the crowd are the Pharisees. There in the crowd are the scribes. And in the crowd are the disciples who are following Jesus. And imagine Jesus standing there and next to Jesus are the disciples who are more than just the 12 that we talk about but there was a group and then there were the curious among them who wanted to know more about this Jesus guy. Just think about it for a second. You're in Jerusalem. You may have heard about this Jesus guy, this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, who was, you know, down, you know, down up North, sorry, not down South, but up North in Nazareth. And, and you may have heard the things that he was doing. A word might've gotten to Jerusalem, but they had never seen the guy, never met the guy, didn't know anything about him. And now he entered into Jerusalem and he enters with a triumphal entry. Just, just think about that for a second, right? You're in the city, right? And this is Passover season. So this is like when, this is like Mecca, okay? Where like all the folks would come from all over the nation, all over the country, even all over the world to come and to worship God and to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem. This was like ground zero for the Jews. So you've got people from all over the world coming in. And I imagine with all of that happening, right? The, 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 like all of Israel is in Jerusalem right now. Exactly, right? So Israel's in, I mean, people would take trips, I mean, road trips, 
Entire cities would just travel there. Entire villages would travel to Jerusalem. And so now you've, you've got all this happening. And somewhere in all of this chaos is this man who comes in and they're putting down palm leaves and they're celebrating him. And he's coming in on a donkey riding into the city like a king. I mean, if you are, if you are in Jerusalem, right? And you see all this happening, you're curious. So a crowd is definitely forming around this guy. And this guy goes into, he goes into the, the temple, rebukes the money changers in the temple. Then he goes and he's healing people. So you imagine the, imagine just, just that crowd that just continues to burgeon and, and the disciples are, are kind of wrapped around them like a, like a security, you know, like a security detail and, and they're walking through navigating about the streets and people are following them. And then Jesus enters into this public square and this public sphere. And then you've got the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the curious who saw all this happening and wanted to know more about it. And then you've got the disciples and the spectators. And everybody wants to know what this Jesus guy is all about. Jesus goes in knowing this is it. He's not leaving Jerusalem. This is where it all ends. Jesus knows he's going to die here. And now Jesus is coming guns blazing. And of course the Pharisees are threatened by it. Because up to this point, they've been padding their pockets with the temple tax. So the Pharisees are worried. The Pharisees are worried because this is going to affect their dollars in their pockets. Because if this man empowers these people, these people might revolt and they might lose their position in power. Sadducees are worried because they uphold the law. They're the lawyers of their time. Make sure you understand the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. They weren't religious leaders. They were thought leaders, philosophers, legalists, who were also threatened because Jesus could affect and influence the establishment. This would affect their power and their pocket. The scribes, you can say that they were neutral because what they cared not was necessarily their pockets, but they cared about their position. And because they cared about their positions, the Sadducees, sorry, the scribes didn't want to be exposed and for the truth to be delivered in a way that would discredit them. Jesus is now a threat. He's a threat to the establishment and Jesus has no problem exposing who he is and what he came to do. Jesus is now in the center. We are in a climax now. It's brewing up and it's building up 
And yes, there is no neutrality when it came to Jesus. And Jesus steps into this space and the Pharisees test him. Why? Because they're looking for reason to, to get rid of him right there. The Sadducees test him. They're looking for a reason to get rid of him. They're trying to build a case against Jesus. The scribes, the experts of the law are looking for a reason to get him so that they can be done with him and to get rid of him. And Jesus now, knowing all of this, knowing that he's being tested after he has been tested, exposes the reality that these men were never about the kingdom of God. These men were about their own power. These men were about their own influence. These men were about their own position. These men were about their own control. These men did not care or were not concerned about the souls and about the mission of God. These men only cared about themselves. And now Jesus is exposing these men. You got to understand, guys. They feared a riot. Jesus shows up and oh my goodness, if these people are illuminated to the truth, this whole place is just going to snap. And the climax of that is right here in this moment where Jesus begins to say, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Woe to you. He calls them blind guides. Woe to the scribes and the Pharisees. You hypocrites. You're hypocrites because you know the truth. You read the word. And yet you've led people on deception because you've chosen your control and power. Woe to you who have forced people to do and to follow rules that you don't even follow yourself. And the only time you ever really follow them is when you're in front of people because in private, you break them on the regular. Woe to you, hypocrite, who outwardly show that you're some kind of righteous, holier-than-thou guy, but then behind the scenes, I know what you're doing behind the scenes. Woe to you because you care more about people giving offering in the church than about the things that are weightier in the matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And this should make people uncomfortable because I look at Israel and I see the establishment of the church. Church Inc. Church Incorporated. Filled with scribes who know the word. Filled with Pharisees who have position and power. Who seek their position and power next to people who are of power. Who seek to be affirmed 
by people seeing how good and how righteous they are, who care more about their social media accounts and care more about their Twitter accounts and care more about what people perceive them to be, who care more about their TikTok or their Instagram or their Facebook or whatever. Woe to you, scribe and Pharisee, who wants people to see who you're standing with, wants people to see that you're with the powerful, the rich, and the famous. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, pastors and preachers, prophets, who tell folks, make sure you show up to church. Make sure you give your tithes and offerings. Make sure you do all the things to serve the temple but neglect the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These are fighting words, family. These are fighting words. And he ends up calling them sons of the murderers because they've murdered the prophets. Israel has been killing prophets for a long time. Jesus wouldn't be the first prophet that Israel had murdered and, and, and Jesus would murder the prophets. Sorry, not Jesus. Israel would murder prophets before him. John the Baptist being the most recent among them. fighting words. These parables are parables exposing a truth. And what these parables are exposing, if you just give me a few moments, y'all, because man, this got me stirred today. It's got me stirred today, church. <laughs> I'm all stirred up. Because we're not angry enough. We're not vocal enough about the establishment. About the institution. About the evil of institutionalization. We're not angry enough. Now realizing that this institutionalization is idolatry itself. It is not Christ. It is not the body of Christ. And it's not saying that there are people who are in the institution who love Jesus and are reaching the lost. No, there are. There absolutely are. Just as there are people in Israel who Jesus says may be may be given the privilege to participate in the feasts. But so many in the church, the leaders, the institutions have fallen into the temptation where now it's about position. And you see it here that Israel feels like, you know, I, I mean, you'll go to Bible Belt America. Okay, Bible Belt America. There are people in Bible Belt America who believe they're Christian. I'm going to tell you what they believe. They believe that they'll have the kingdom, that they'll go to heaven. P 
because they grew up in a good Christian home. No lies. There are people who grow up in church and believe that growing up in church is what gives you access. There are people in Bible Belt Middle America family who will believe that the kingdom is theirs. Why? Because they're good Americans. And so, and, and again, when we say Bible Bill America, it starts there. Oh, but it permeates out of there. It permeates out of there. Because somehow we think we can inherit salvation. That we can inherit, this inheritance is passed down by blood. This inheritance somehow is passed down by DNA. There are people in Bible Belt America who believe they're Christian because they're white. Oh, snap. Did it just get reeled up in here? <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Sorry, y'all. I love y'all. <laughs> there are people, I, this, and, and I'm saying this because there are those who are on the outside, who see the ugly history of the church, who see the ugly history of the American church, how the American church has been complicit to slavery, how the American church has been complicit to things that are outside of the weightier matters. And to see that permeate into what I call now this new normalized religion that we call Christianity. If Jesus walked in, he'd be saying the same speech to a lot of institutions. Woe to you who care more about what's on the outside than what's on the inside. Woe to you who tell people, dress differently, act differently, modify your behavior, and then you'll be saved. Woe to you who think that being a good Christian is being a good believing Republican. Woe to you who care more about your church members showing up to your church, but not really about their souls and telling them that they need to be they need to give their tithes and offerings in order to be saved. Woe to you who care more about their pockets than about their souls. Woe to you. And this message were preached, it would be an indictment on a lot of our churches today. Yes, Henry, but I serve on Sunday on the parking lot ministry. Oh, Lord. And Jesus is saying, there are folks, and he's speaking to Israel now. And he says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. A certain king sends out those and invites those to the wedding feast. 
and they don't show up. Look what he says um, in, in chapter 22. The king that had is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited on the wedding and they were not willing to come again. He sent out the servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I prepared a dinner, a fatted calf. This is a wedding ceremony that's being prepared. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it, went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business, all with their own agendas. He said, Israel, you're those people who the king has sent his son and invited you into a party and invited you into a wedding ceremony to witness the union of God and his people. And yet you have chosen to prioritize your businesses, to prioritize your own stuff, to prioritize your agenda. And then when the wedding was prepared, you didn't show up. So God says, you know what? Forget all of y'all who received the invitation. I'm going to go invite the folks who you wouldn't have invited before, who you wouldn't have considered to be of, to, to be worth that invitation. And we're going to invite them. So you know what? Go into the highways. As many as you find, invite them to the wedding. And then he says in verse 10, this is so powerful. He says, so those servants went out to the highways, gathered together all who were found, both bad and good. Oh, snap. So you're saying good people? Is it just good people that are invited to the wedding? No, it's both the bad people and the good people. I'm about to say something that's going to sound reckless. Their murder is going to heaven. They're criminals, mass killers, people that society has said there's no hope for. Who society would say, I can't wait for that man to burn in hell. Or I can't wait for that woman. There will be bad and good people. Lots of bad people. They'll be shocked at the people who make it. You're going to say, wait. Wasn't that the mass rapist murderer? I almost, I'm, I'm whispering it because people will get upset. Because somehow they got invited to the party. How did that happen? It happens because God clothes us with his righteousness. He says, give them the garments they need. Yes, give them the garments. Yes, put on the, give them the right type of attire. You know, the one that I have to clothe them with. Put my clothes on them. But there's going to be that one prideful individual who got the invitation, didn't show up, shows up late to the party and thinks they can come in here with their own clothes. Did y'all hear me? With their own garments. Not wearing the appropriate attire. I've seen this. I've seen this verse, this scripture misappropriated so many times to say you got to dress a certain way to go to church. I've heard this before. Okay, this is crazy. 
that I've heard this before. You missed the point. You don't dress in better outward physical clothing. This is Jesus speaking about an attire that is glorified. Not an attire you can purchase. It's an attire only the king can give you. You can go to Macy's or Dillard's or KMG. You can do a KMG. You can, if somebody knows what I'm talking about, what about folks from the hood? Y'all know about KMG. Uh, <laughs> if you bought it at Macy's, it ain't the right clothes. Okay. If you bought it at the flea market, it ain't the right clothes. It might look good, but it ain't the clothes that God's talking about. KNG used to be packed. We ain't ready. Do not get me started. Jesus is snapping. He's saying, you won't put on the right clothes the wedding garment. Think you can just show up and think you have a place here. He talked about in this reading that we had, the workers in the vineyard, the ones who showed up the 11th hour, who received a day's wages, and the ones who were there from the beginning of the day, who were upset by the ones who had received the day's wages. Jesus is calling them out. Say, oh, Israel, yeah, you, you, you've been here. You were here first. So somehow you think you deserve more than the Gentiles who will come afterwards. Oh, those who grew up in the church, you think somehow you are privy to a privilege because you have tenure here. Oh, you think you're better because you've been a Christian longer. You think you're better because you have pedigree. You think you're better because somehow you deserve more than the other person, not realizing that it is the grace of God that got you there. How do the ones in the 11th hour get what the ones in the first hour got? Because God gives the grace to us all equally. And he's telling Israel in this text, the Gentiles will get what you got. Scribes and Pharisees, you think you're better than these people? They're going to get what you have, if not more. He takes it further and says, you're not invited. <laughs> to check the heart of the institutionalized faith person. That's what I'm going to call it today. Institutionalized faith person who comes into the church is focused more on their position, focused more on their title, focused more on, I need people to see me, see my role. I need people to see me on stage. I need them to see all the things that I do. Oh, and I got to make sure I have my seat. I, I believe there's still, there's churches even still today where people have a certain seat in the church and they get upset when somebody else sits on that seat. 
There are people today who won't, who won't even relinquish control in order to reach people that are lost. There are people today who they actually don't care about the matters of mercy and justice. They only care about their role and position inside of the community that they attend. They don't care that in the last 10 years, no broken, unsaved people showed up. They don't care. Woe to you. Oh, family. There's a reckoning coming in the church, but it's a beautiful thing. And I'll explain to you why. Because the awakening is, is that as our churches, our institutionalized churches continue to persist, many of them have crumbled and shut down. Some people blame it on COVID. I say COVID just accelerated it. There are churches that have become mausoleums, museums of the past. And what God has done is, is that, and I truly believe this, that God has done a thing even in this season through COVID, that COVID exposed that the churches have been more focused on their buildings and institutions and positions and powers and ties and offerings and holiness is always right and exterior, no inward transformation. And so all COVID do is just accelerate the process. People have said to me, you know, COVID killed a lot of churches. No, COVID just accelerated it. Churches were already dying. That's all it did. And yet God is doing something amazing, even in this season. That God is raising up a generation of people who society, church culture would call bad. And among them, God is raising up a people who have been invited, who have heard the invitation of God to the party and who have said, you know what? I don't have the clothes to wear, but if the king invited me, he'll get me dressed right for the party. There's a generation of people who are rising up, who are saying that now what God is not looking for is what we look like on the outside, but it's what's happening in the heart. Man will look at the outward appearance, but the Lord will look at it at the heart. There's a generation that's rising up that actually desires for people who are lost to be saved, who want people to get the same denarius that they got. There's a, you know where you are in your heart when you don't care that the guy who can, I've been, listen, I've been a, I've been a faithful follower of Jesus Christ for over 13 years. And I get just as excited today about a person who comes to faith in Jesus Christ, who grows today, not feeling like I should have more than them. I have to be excited that they got exactly what I got and that we can get it together. It just brings me so much joy. It brings me so much joy. You want to know why? Because 
the fact that he even brought me in in the first place in the first hour is by the grace of God. I don't deserve any of this. It is the grace of God. God met me in a dark place and now he's inspired me to go and to meet others in that dark place. And this is what Jesus has called us to do. Woe to anyone who cares more about any of the other stuff. So family today, let this verse touch you a little bit. Examine yourself and ask yourself, who am I? And, and this is not, so make sure, I want to make sure everybody here knows this is not now, you know, uh, a manifesto, okay, of, uh, or a manifesto communicating, guys, you need to leave your churches and walk out. Some of you actually need to stay in your churches and to be Jesus in there. <laughs> Some of you need to actually walk into Jerusalem, right where you are, and begin to speak with boldness. This is not an invitation out of the church. Notice, Jesus came to Jerusalem. The sheep were lost. He still came to the sheep. I believe that the mission field now is the American church. I know it's a crazy statement, but they're already Christian. No, they're nominal. They love religion. But they don't know Jesus. They cry, Lord, Lord, but they're far from him. The church is the new mission field. Where did Paul go? I'm ranting, y'all. I, I Two more minutes, two more minutes, because I'm way over time. Where did Paul go? Before Paul went to the streets, Paul went to the synagogues. <laughs> I love that meme. That's us, Sarah. Before Paul went to the streets, Paul went to the synagogues. Because the religious people are as lost, if not more, than the people who are on the streets. So no, don't leave your church. Be the light of Christ in your church. Speak with boldness and authority. Speak with grace. Some will receive it, some will not. I love y'all family. Be encouraged today because while these are fighting words, they're also a reminder of of who Jesus is and who he loves. Just think about this, right? Just, just think about this family. Just think about this. Israel had an opportunity, a privilege, and Jesus came to pass that privilege onto us, each and every one of us. That alone is a word of encouragement for all of us, the good and the bad. If you're on the road right now, you're lost, you're far from the church, far from, you know, Jesus, far from, you might be on the road right now. And yeah, the king has invited you to the party. He's invited you to the wedding, this wedding feast, this wedding ceremony, 
this consummation, this coming together of God and his people. He's invited you to this. And someone's saying, I'm waiting till I have it together. The king didn't ask for the people who were good. He asked for the people who were good and bad. And don't say, well, I don't got the right. I don't have the right legal. I don't look like the way Christians look. I don't, I don't, I'm not like them. I'm not ready for this fam. He puts the clothes on you. Chances are what you see in the church and what they're wearing is probably not the clothes that God's looking for. Okay, I'll tell you right now, it's not. And yet he invites us all to the party. Embrace your uniqueness. Embrace it. Why? Because there's somebody who needs that today. There's somebody who's going to walk into that church and is going to say, I look like nobody. And maybe they need the one person that doesn't look like anybody else to see that one person go, but I look like them. I look like that person. And if that person can grow in their relationship with Jesus here, then I can grow in a relationship with Jesus here. And ready for this? Stop seeking approval. Stop seeking position. Just start serving. Religion is always looking for titles. Jesus has already approved you. He's already affirmed you. You don't need anybody's approval. You don't need anybody to know what you're doing. Just serve. Serve people. Love them. Love them deeply. Because if you serve, you are the greatest in the kingdom. You're the greatest. You have only one audience. You have only one audience, and that's Christ. That's it. One audience. Only one person you're performing for. And you're not performing for his approval. You're performing out of his approval. Because he loves you. You're performing because you know you're loved. You have nothing to prove to anybody else. Jesus has paid it all. Love y'all, fam. Father, I thank you for the privilege. I thank you for bringing us together. Uh, I thank you for stirring us up today, Lord, with fighting words. Fighting words. Woe to the scribes and Pharisees. Father, Lord, address every matter of our heart that still has those elements in us, Lord. Seeking approval, seeking position. Be apathetic to justice and mercy. The weightier matters of the law. Father, I just pray that you would do a work in us, Lord. May we be inspired by this word today. We thank you, Lord. We glorify you. We give you praise. We say that in Jesus' name. Amen.